Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello folks, welcome to another edition of the uh, Pro Wrestling Index here on the Anfield Index podcast channel, where tonight we have a jam-packed show. We're going to take a look back at NXT TakeOver in Toronto, as well as Survivor Series. It was a big weekend. So what better time for me, Andy Wills, to make the hot tag to my audio tag team partner, Mo Chatra. I like the link, Andy. Very, very good. Very smooth. (laughs) (laughs) Very tenuous. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> no it works works a treat yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm doing good andy how are you I, i'm not so bad my friend i'm not so bad uh, looking forward to discussing these two shows um I, I i it was i was entertained i've got to say i was entertained i thought there was some uh excellent in-ring action and there was certainly some uh memorable moments uh but we if we get started with nxt we'll and we'll do things chronologically because um, we spoke last week about uh, how we were looking forward to this, certainly for the in-ring, uh, the in-ring portion of the uh, of the event, because I, I personally felt this was probably going to outshine the, the the main show of the weekend. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, it absolutely did that. I thought it was a terrific, uh, a terrific couple of hours of of in in-ring entertainment. Some great, great wrestling, wasn't there? Oh, absolutely there was. I mean, I think we both agreed last week uh, that this show would outshine Survivor Series when it came to in-ring action. And I think there's very few people who disagree with us now that those two shows are in the bag. And uh, NXT's takeover, like with pretty much every NXT takeover, was exemplary. It was really, really good. And it makes a mockery of... um, NXT's former tag as being a developmental territory uh, because it's far from that now. It's um, a finishing school for people who maybe have come from abroad or uh, from the independent scene and um, WWE might want to get them to uh, just polish up on promos or how they kind of um, face towards certain cameras and things like that. But when it comes to bell-to-bell action, um, if anything, the guys in the NXT and girls in the NXT roster um, often outshine the main roster talent. And so it proved on Saturday night. 
Absolutely. Um, one of the things I've I've heard said for for many years is, you know, for these up and go, uh, up and coming uh, young wrestlers, you know, that that whole developmental thing because it is a mixture of some proven talent, some you know, some veterans. Uh, and some uh, really are developmental stars. Um, what what better place to learn than with people who are better than you? You know, that's the best way to learn is to get in the ring with people who are a lot better than you. And this is the thing. Next to you, bringing in some really, really top class uh, workers. And you know, some of these younger guys that get into mix with them, they'll learn from them. They'll pick up things from them, tips from them. And I think it's such a nice blend and it's turning it into uh, probably the hottest brand around right now. And and I've got to say, I, I really do have to say this, cheesy as it may sound, I thought the event, the start was glorious. <laughs> I had a feeling you might say that. Uh, it was indeed. What a way to open the show. Uh, a full-on choir singing glorious. Um well, at least miming very convincingly to it. And um, so it proved Bobby Roode uh, made his um, fantastic re-entrance. And it really is the best entrance in the business now, as far as I'm concerned. Um, it was better than the previous takeover, and I thought that was amazing. And um, on top of that, he had a, a really great match with Ty Dillinger for an opening match. Um, it went longer than you normally expect and um both worked really well crowd was very very into the into the match um which is no surprise dillinger's a big cult favorite with his whole 10 gimmick and bobby Roode being canadian and from alberta is also uh somebody who was going to go down a treat with that uh, toronto crowd so um great reaction great match great entrances great finish uh what more could you ask for for an opening contest yeah, I mean, both guys got such a great reaction. They really did. And that, that was, I think it was a thing throughout the uh, the night, actually. The crowd were really, really good. For the full weekend and even on the Monday night, That you know, the Canadian crowd, you know, tends to be really good. And they were so into it. And and this was, you know, the thing that I wanted to see from this match. We expected Bobby Roode to win as as he did, but the thing I wanted to see was, you know, could you know could they put it so that Ty Dillinger, you know, really takes him to the limit? And Ty Dillinger, despite you know being beaten on the night, comes out of it as a star, and I think he did. I think it, you know, for that, it the match was, you know, not only great to watch, but it was a success. And something that I kind of enjoyed throughout the weekend was Ty Dillinger's 10, the crowd doing it just constantly all weekend to every single referee count. It was 10. The crowd went 10 to everything. And it's like, Ty Dillinger, you have just made your mark on the wrestling business. (laughs) Well, that's right. I mean, I was thinking back to um, when Austin came out with this whole what gimmick, um, what, some 15 years ago now. And um, it's amazing to think that that's stood the test of time and um, you can still hear it to this day. <laughs> and, you know, that whole thing with the 10th, uh, you know, that could carry on for years and years. So, yeah, that's um, Ty Dillinger's legacy, if nothing else. <laughs> yeah, it was a great start. And I mean, to follow on from that, the, the tag team tournament final, I've got to say it delivered more than what I expected. It was a better match than I expected it to be. Uh, the finish was certainly what I expected, though. Um, any thoughts from yourself on this? Yeah, I agree. I sort of fear that it might even turn out to be a, 
a squash match with the authors of pain being put over as these big monsters that um, you know, nobody can defeat. But um, TM61, to their credit, uh, really brought it. And, um, you know, some of uh, the spots that they pulled off were really, really impressive. So it was good to see, um, you know, TM61 come into uh, NXT with some um, you know, very good performances in um, Japan. And uh, they've been very, very good over there. And, um, you know, they've come into here and uh, done really well. And, um, you know, they were very impressive. Yeah, so, I mean, to go from one tag team match that we perhaps didn't have too much in the way of expectation to one that we certainly did have their high expectations of, and this one absolutely delivered and then some. The tag team titles, the NXT tag team titles, the revival against DIY, more i've got to say this is one of the best tag team matches i have ever seen in the nigh on 30 years that i have been watching pro wrestling well i'll I'll do you one better than that i think it's the best tag team match i've seen in the wwe uh, the best ever in the company's history that's how good i thought it was and we've seen some fantastic tag team matches by the wwe over the years but this for me was the best of the lot it was um you know great action from beginning to end it wasn't one of these where um it was really slow and slightly on the boring side early on and picked up only in the last five ten minutes now this had a really strong pace throughout i mean the first four had you know very good action to that up until the second four excellent and then you know everything for the final four was just um, off the charts. It was really, really um, so super impressive because, you know, we've got two guys here in you know, Wilder and Dawson with um, Revival who just get better and better. Um, they were perhaps slightly on the dull side maybe a couple of years ago, albeit very good workers even then, but they've just been improving and improving and improving throughout the year. Uh, their whole act is is so refreshing as well because you know I mean, it's strictly old school the way that they work, um, but in a way that's almost new. It's almost original because it's different to a lot of the other talent that we see around who like to um, um, work a very high spot intensive style. So that's what differentiates them. And you now Gargano and Champa are more modern type workers, but you know they've got great chemistry together and have got vast experience from the independent scene. Um, over a number of years and so that's why we had high expectations for this match but they were way exceeded in my book this was um, uh, as good a tag match as i've seen i'm sorry yeah sorry yeah. I've, I've got to say I, I mean i thought it's the, the pace as you say yeah it started at a good pace but i thought i like the way they just built they built it each fall was was kind of like better than the previous you know it just kept getting better and better and better as it was going along they were really building themselves up to a crescendo and and it's almost like that you know part of this nxt legacy that you know in these big matches where where people have really got to deliver you know and there's a lot of expectation on the line they seem to book it just right and and it kind of it takes me back to to bailey and sasha banks last year the the two out of three falls match that they had sorry not the two out of three falls the the iron woman match that they had last year the way that one built as they went along that 
I mean, it was just phenomenal. It was great storytelling. And that was this again, great storytelling in the ring. They really got it across. And like you say, they, they kind of remind me of the Brainbusters, a revival, not just because of the, the, the jackets that they wear, but the style as well. And the way that they mesh together. And I, I thought the chemistry, not only, be, you know, that the teams have themselves, but the, the, the way that the, they sort of interact with each other. I think they have a good chemistry in the ring together and it just comes off really nicely. And Champa and uh, Gargano, yes, they do have the more modern style, but they are such solid workers as well. You know, that, you know, fundamentally, they're so good. And this was this was just for me this was tag team wrestling 101 this is this is how you put on a great tag team match i just i couldn't say enough great things about it and i'm i'm looking forward to them having a rematch oh totally yeah i mean good luck to them trying to exceed and better this one i mean that that's as good as you get so i don't know how they'll talk yeah yeah good luck with that (laughs) yeah it was uh, just phenomenal stuff and you know kudos to them i mean I've got to give it to give it up to you more. You said you expected, you half expected this to be the match of the weekend. And I think you were absolutely right because as much as, and well, I know we will get to it as much as uh, I enjoyed your, uh, some more Joe Nakamura and some of the other things that happened over the weekend, this as a pure wrestling match, this for me, that this outshone everything else. Oh, it did, yeah, absolutely. For me, it was, um, as I say, the best WWE tag match in history, and uh, it was the best match on the show, comfortably better than anything on Survivor Series as well. And that was a very good show in its own right, in a way. Um, but this, this was just a match for the ages, and a very, very strong contender for WWE um, match of the year, albeit it's a, an NXT contest. So uh, it was, it was a job well done by all four individuals. Absolutely. Uh, on, to, on to the women's uh, championship match then. And, and this was kind of a curious one as to how, quite how it would uh, mesh uh, with with Mickey James not being in the company for a while and obviously having not worked with uh, Asuka here. But I thought these two worked really, really well together. And I've got to say, although the outcome was as expected, I really, really enjoyed this match. I thought it was I thought it was a really good show these two put on. Totally agree. Um, Asuka is so consistent, very, very good uh, with a variety of opponents. And, uh, you know, being in front of a big crowd for the takeover, I expect her to uh, pull out an even higher level of work rate than she normally does. Mickey James um, seemed almost um, in awe of the uh, fact that she was working a larger crowd, not having to work in front of three, four hundred like she was in NXT up until a, a year or two back. Um, so she also wanted to uh, prove a point to uh, this large crowd and um, show that even though she had been gone gone for a good six seven years, um, she hadn't really lost anything. And I, I thought, in, fa- in fact, that she was perhaps slightly better than what she used to show back in them days. Um, one thing that was for sure is that she got to work a thirty minute match, which she very rarely got to do um, back in that uh, time that era because uh, at that time the divas division as it was then called was very much an afterthought and a time filler and if they got more than five minutes uh like samiki james um they were very lucky whereas um it's a very different world and rightly so now and so it was good to see her given time to show what she can do and you know 
she she hung in there really well with Asuka, and uh, the two of them had a a better match than I expected. In fact, I, I wasn't sure, given that they hadn't really worked with one another, how well they mesh. But um, they they worked really well, and I wouldn't be surprised if Mickey James comes back for more matches because um, you know on the evidence of that match, um, she's still got a lot to offer. Yeah, I agree. I think I think she could be of benefit, certainly for some of the the younger women that are coming through the ranks at NXT, because that's one area of NXT that is very uh, inexperienced right now is, is the, uh, the women's roster. And I think she could certainly be of benefit of some of the younger girls that are coming through there and who are improving and getting a lot more TV time. But uh, yeah, they, they could learn from her. Uh, Mo, I've got a question for you though on Asuka. I felt for a little while, I think there's, there's a kind of little subtle and very, very slow heel change going on with Asuka do you, do you feel that is the case or is it just um, a slightly different edge to her character I think it's just a slightly different edge I mean there have been times when we've seen these very subtle heel kind of actions mannerisms and we saw that at times uh, when she fought against like said Bailey in the past and um, I thought it was just a bit of an accentuation of that rather than hint towards moving to the dark side so i think that that's just part of the character that she tries to portray um that she's got a bit of um the dark to go with the light and uh, that that's all it was for me fair enough so what about the main event then uh, samoa joe uh, shinsuke nakamura um i've got to say that i thought this was a better match than their previous one i i thoroughly enjoyed their previous match i thought it was just a brutal physicality which uh, which is a style i think if it's done right comes across really well and i think these two just they, they just oh they, they just have something special about them and getting them together on screen it has this kind of authenticity to it you know that the this chemistry between them you you feel like there is a real rivalry here and the physicality is is just moving up a notch as we go along and i mean the end was was a total shock to me i've got to say yeah but overall i i kind of like it what what says you mom oh yeah i really like this match um really physical Different to the uh, tag match that we saw two matches previous to this. And um, the finish was was great, in my view, because um, nobody expected it. It was a pleasant surprise. And, uh, you know, both of us were talking about the fact that we expected Nakamura to retain and um, go on to defend the title for a, a while yet. And, you know, we also talked about the possibility of Samoa Joe perhaps even moving over to the main roster. Um, but that's clearly not going to be happening anytime soon, given that he uh, uh, won the uh, NXT title once again. It was a really good match. It was a great match. And um, you know, Nakamura's got this presence and this charisma, which very few talents in the business have got. And um, when he came out with all those violinists, <laughs> it just made his whole entrance even more grander. Um know if his uh, magnetic uh, charisma is it already enough so you know he got things off to a fantastic start with that but then you know joe who's been having a renaissance year uh, this year you know really brought it and i thought he was nakamura's equal in the match and it's very rare that you get to see that nakamura is a very top level elite worker one of the very best in the business 
and uh, J- Samoa Joe hasn't really been at that level for several years now. Um, but as I say, this year he's really started to step it up and find the kind of world-class worker that he was maybe some five, ten years ago. So it was great all round, and um, it's interesting to see where this goes. You know, they're one and one, so you know, are we going to have that rubber match at the next NXT? Well, they've, 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 yeah, they've actually well, they've actually announced um, today that that they're going to have a rematch in Japan. They're, they're doing a special show in a couple of weeks' time in Japan. So that I'm, I'm guessing that could be live on the uh, the WWE Network. Do you think the po- uh, potential is there then to to switch the title back? Because I I, I feel like if you're going to put it on Joe to move it back within a couple of weeks is is a bit soon for me. I don't know. Well, that's interesting. I hadn't actually caught that bit of news. Um, so that might have been the reason why they decided to put the title over onto Samoa Joe. Um, so that Shinsuke Nakamura can then um, challenge for the belt in his native land. And um, it just adds a bit more um, intrigue to that title match, I guess, for that show. I hope it is on the WWE Network because um, it'd be great to see it. And uh, I think the last time that NXT um, ventured into Japan, uh, we got to see it as a live special on the WWE Network. Um, it was called Beast from the East or something like that, wasn't it? With Brock Lesnar. Yeah, and that was yeah, that was the one. It was uh, which was okay, but um, what they made as the as the <laughs> the main event of the show kind of, I think, slightly took the edge off the atmosphere for for the for the crowd for the event really, and it wasn't the greatest booking. I've got a funny feeling that um, the people running NXT are a little bit smarter when it comes to how they'll book an event in Japan. Yes, I agree. Um, you know, I, th- I think that's perhaps why uh, we saw this surprise title uh, change. And maybe um, with this news, it all kind of makes sense because otherwise um, Nakamura losing the title this early um, didn't immediately make a great deal of sense. So um, it certainly set things up very nicely for the uh, Japan show. And uh, as you say, I hope it does um, uh, get broadcast on in it, on the WWE Network. Absolutely. So, and uh, again, that's something else that we can look forward to uh, seeing after after a, a fantastic takeover event again. Uh, yeah, to to look forward to another event. But uh, moving on from Saturday night's action, then on to Sunday night uh, Survivor Series. Um, I've got to say, more I, the in ring stuff, like we say, you know, it was never. I don't think it was ever going to be quite as good, and certainly because you've got so many. Um, of the traditional Survivor Series matches, it's difficult to have really great free-flowing uh, fluid matches. But there were some really big, memorable moments throughout the night, though, wasn't there? Oh, there was. That's right. And I think um, that's what we speculate would be the case um, on the pod last week, that it wasn't necessarily going to live up to NXT um, in terms of in-ring action and uh, match quality. But um, there would certainly be a lot of... Uh, memorable moments and um sure enough there were and uh, possibly more than we expected and uh, some some very pleasant ones i mean there were one or two that were uh, the source of much debate and you know obviously we'll come on to that in a moment or two but um i i thought overall um some of the surprises that we got on the night uh, were done very very well in a very smart way and uh, just made it made it interesting for uh, the weeks and months ahead yeah, well, we'll, I mean, we'll start things off then with the Cruiserweight um, title match. I, I've got to say, this was 
it was quite a good match. I was quite enjoying it until uh, till they ended it in the, the nature that they did, which it was a, a little disappointing. It's kind of a throwback to the old Kevin Nash uh, coming out and destroying cruiserweights on WCW thing. But I, I guess things were pointing, I suppose, the, smart, the smarts, if you want to call them that. You know, everything was pointing towards... Uh, the cruiserweights moving on to SmackDown with this new 205 Live on a Tuesday night, but yeah, I guess um, WWE were just throwing us a curveball there. Well, that's right. I think I went against the grain last week and predicted that Raw uh, would retain the cruiserweight division, and therefore Brian Kendrick would um, retain the title, and so he did. Albeit, I didn't um, expect that finish of a DQ with uh, a Baron Corbin running. My my problem with the cruiserweight division at the moment is it's, it's not really clicking with the audience. So the the reaction to this match um, in front of what was a otherwise hot crowd throughout the night uh, was was somewhat subdued, and that's been the trend and the pattern um, ever since the cruiserweight division debuted on Raw um, a number of weeks ago. And I think the reason for that is is they've built the division largely around. Brian Kendrick and TJP and Brian Kendrick is a really good worker but he was somebody that people lost interest in about 12 years ago and then you've got TJP TJ Perkins who very talented guy but he's got the personality and presence of Horace your local librarian so with that uh, you know they just are lacking those personalities and those guys that really can wow you in the way that somebody like a Kalisto can or a Neville can. And if they built the division around these guys that bring something different to what the heavyweights bring with a more acrobatic, high-flying style that has people on the edge of their seat, I think that is the kind of stuff they need to be doing to get the division over. And having a more slightly grounded style with some slightly duller personalities isn't really resonating with the crowd. So I think there's some work to do, and I'm hoping that the new 205 live show can certainly help to change its uh, the division's fortunes. Yeah, I, I mean, from a personal perspective, I, I think the the CWC showed how you, you know, a way to present these guys and get them over with just what they can do in the ring. And, and moving the cruiserweights to Raw was what I feared it would be, and that was these backstage segments with guys who are not so good on the microphone and terrible actors and it just like you say it's just not resonating with the crowd and I was hoping that they, they could move to Smackdown because I think they would have been presented it in a slightly different way there and and then them subtle differences I think could have really helped sort of get them going again but we'll we'll see how things progress uh, what, what about the Intercontinental title then um, I kind of expected the finish that we got um, but it, it's I mean it's like on TV the, the, they're talking about consequences there wasn't really any consequences to this you know I, I was hoping that maybe we'd see something where you know where Sami Zayn loses and, and out comes Stephanie McMahon or he, you know we see him walk backstage and she says that's it you, you're gone from Raw but nothing you know and that was it seems to be a thing for the whole night where you know we're talking they're making a big thing about this it's Raw v Smackdown but there wasn't really any consequences here, was there? No, there wasn't, no. Um, and um, that's why, even in the weeks leading up to the show, 
um, the way that the whole thing was booked, um, it really didn't pull together and tie in all that well. And, um, you know, it was all very clumsy. It was all very clunky and awkward in the way the whole thing was booked. And I think that's partly because on the one hand, they're trying to differentiate the brands and trying to keep them as separate as possible. But then they've got a show like this, um, much like they will have with the Royal Rumble, where they've got no option but to bring the brands together. And I think they just need to figure out a way in which um, that can mean something. And, you know, until they've got enough differentiation between the brands and that's established, people are not going to take the kind of Raw versus SmackDown thing too seriously at this stage. Whereas, you know, if they can get it maybe two, three years down the line to some kind of um, different situation, which is closer to what we saw in the Monday Night Wars era, you know, with WCW and WWE, where SmackDown has its audience and Raw has its own separate audience, then that can make it very interesting. Um, but until that time, um, you know, we're going to get some pretty flimsy storytelling with this um, Raw versus SmackDown thing, which uh, we will see at you know the four major shows a year. Yeah, I mean, I think that the, the intershow rivalries is as flimsy as the um, as the play by play. Having God knows how many was it about twelve commentators there. Uh, <laughs> Hot shot in between seats and commentating on different matches. It was just, uh, it just dreadful for me. Just, I mean, the the ideal thing for me is is a two man booth. To go to three, it's not ideal, but but I mean, SmackDown's gone to four for some reason. God only knows why. And and then the whole thing through that Survivor Series, though, we we flip flopping between uh, commentators. It's. <laughs> It just didn't add anything to the show for me. If anything, it took a little bit of way because you just kept getting these different voices in it. What, 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 what the hell is going on? Well, that's right. Yeah, it seems very odd that they decide to throw so many commentators out there, and um, you know they just. I mean, in fairness to them, they're not that bad at talking over one another, and that's always the risk with things like this. Um, but even then. You know, it can be confusing for your average punter, um, especially when, you know, some commentators sound alike. So, you know, sticking to a very simple, you know, simple kind of uh, setup with two commentators or three at most is is the way to go. And, uh, you know, this whole new thing about having four commentators and then I think it was six on the night for Survivors. Um, it's just absurd and I just don't see the point of it other than to kind of give people a payday for working Survivor Series. But I mean, come on, they've gone 30 years of pay-per-views without having to you know, please everyone and get everyone on the show somehow. So I'm sure they can do the same for commentators. But yeah, it was completely unnecessary. Yeah, we've gone from uh, parity booking in the ring to parity booking at the uh, commentary desk and it, it doesn't work. <laughs> um, so on, on to the main, on to the actual you know, uh, traditional Survivor Series matches. Uh, the women's one, I didn't think this one was too bad. And I've got to say, come, you know, the person that really shone for me coming out of it, I thought was Becky Lynch. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I made my feelings known about Becky. I think she's very, very fine talent. And, you know, she, she showed you know, exactly why she is the, uh, the star of the uh, female division on SmackDown and why they're building that division on SmackDown around her, because, 
no, she's not only good in the ring, but she's got some personality and charisma and presence. And um, you know, she she really brings it and uh, very consistent as well. And in a way, I feel a bit sorry for her in that the roster that um, she's got to work with on the SmackDown side is, is certainly weaker than the Raw female roster. So it's a shame that she hasn't got um, you know people that can dance partners, if you will, who can really bring the best out of her. Um, but I thought that having the chance to um, work against the likes of Sasha Banks and Bailey and Charlotte, um, you know, she really reveled in that. And uh, yeah, as, as you say, um, was the star of that match and uh, went through right till the end, um, but ultimately came short. Yeah. I, but came, came short, came up short in the right way. I think the, the, it, it made sense in the way that she came up short and she still looks strong coming up short. Um, I, one thing I've got to say though, on Charlotte, you know, as as great as she is as a heel, and as well, you know, fantastically she carries that belt, and 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 she's really good in the ring. There's something about when she does her promos. Her promos are definitely improved, but when she talks, it you know, it reminds me of a robot. <laughs> I, I I know what you're saying. I mean, part of it is I think that she's one of these people that is given promos almost word for word from writers and um, has to go out there and uh, cut the exact promo that she's been given. And um, you've got other people like Chris Jericho and even um, Kevin Owens who clearly ad-lib some of the promo work and um, aren't going word for word. And uh, you can see the difference. And I think that if um, she was allowed some latitude and some freedom to, um, um, go off script if you will then um, I think she would sound a bit more natural um, I think that if she was allowed to do that she'd do really well because uh, her old man wasn't too bad in doing that sort of thing for many many years so uh, I, I get what you're saying um, yes you're right she's certainly got a good teacher at home so yeah, yeah. I, I think I think letting her letting her be speak a bit more a bit more naturally Will will probably help push this thing that they've started, you know, that they've really got going with Bailey now. Uh, the way that they ended that match, it's just just one of them little things that I pick up on. I can't help it now, and I, I know it's every time that she does a promo. I think you sound like a robot. You sound like a robot regurgitating the script. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm glad I'm so mean. Uh, what what about what about the um the 20 uh, god knows however many people it was in the, the tag team match what was it 10 tag teams or uh, around the ring whatever the, uh, you could barely see the the actual inside of the ring there was that many people around it that's right um this was a match that i didn't have especially high expectations for um i thought that there were just too many talents in the match who aren't that great but in the end, I thought it turned out to be really, really good. So this was actually, for me, the most pleasant surprise of the weekend because I thought it was possibly the third best match of the weekend in terms of NXT and um, Survivor Series. So for me, it was actually the match of the night. You know, that, that was something that uh, I didn't expect going into the show and certainly something I didn't uh, predict from last uh, last week's pod. I thought that um, you know the uh, match did do a pretty good job, not as quite as good as I hoped, but still a pretty decent job of getting um, 
Jason Jordan, Chad Gable over. I thought they came across really well in this match and um, certainly got a chance to uh, show some of what they are capable of. And I was also quite impressed by the Usos. I mean, these are two guys that, you know, all of us have seen and been watching for a number of years now. And they've really not been doing too much recently, albeit they turned heel this year, but nothing that really excites anyone. But in this match, um, they, they hung in there and, you know, performed to a very high degree throughout the contest and uh, surprisingly were there right till the end. Yeah, I've got to say, I thought they've, I thought they've been quite good actually. In the, since the, since the heel turn, I, I, for me, the heel turn was long, long overdue. I like their character change. I do. I, I think it kind of suits them. Uh, and I think, I don't, I, I think they've transitioned really well. Uh, and this was, this was for me, was probably their best showing in, I don't know, three, four years, something like that. It's it's a long time since I've seen them look this good in the ring. I thought they the flow. I think you're right. As this match wore on and we lost some of the teams and we got down to the last few, it started to go more and and it seemed to flow a lot better. American Alpha, I thought, looked really good. And yeah, the also the Usos came out out of it looking good, and Cesaro and Sheamus. I thought they performed their role really, really well. The big, I mean, the big shock, the big surprise was was uh, New Day going out early. You know, the first elimination. That that was, I thought that was an interesting move there. You know, to catch the crowd and really sort of wake everyone up. Did did that one catch you by surprise? Yes, it did. Yes, and that was one of the things that, um, you know, in terms of surprises, I was quite pleasantly uh, uh, pleased. Sorry, I was quite pleased about because. Uh, Nobody expected it, but it was done in a very clever way and um, certainly set things up nicely for the Raw side in terms of its tag team division and show that these guys can be beaten. And I'm sure that at some point after they defeat, sorry, beat um, Demolition's um, record of um, longest consecutive title reign, that um, the title switch will come and um, it just depends where they go in terms of the next champions after the new day. Um, but certainly if they decide to keep Cesaro and Sheamus together long enough, um, you know, they would actually end up being fine champions. I'm uh, quite impressed by their act. And uh, I, I think they're um, a pretty decent, you know, odd couple type pairing. And uh, you know, they've got some good chemistry together, both in terms of um, the fact that they are reluctant partners, but also in the way that they can work together. So, um, you know, if they do end up being the champions, then I think they'd be pretty decent champs. Yeah, well, I mean, they are very good friends out of the ring, so I think that that actual that friendship is coming across as as a good chemistry. Albeit, obviously, they're putting across that there is that rivalry there between them. But I think that the fact that they're so good, such uh, such good friends, that there is they're, they're having that sort of little that one-upmanship between themselves in a, in a kind of a fun way rather than a tiresome way. And here's one for you. I think, I think we're seeing the beginnings of a, of a heel turn back for uh, new day. I, I don't know why I've just, I've got this feeling that we're seeing the beginnings of it. Now they're going to complete uh, constantly mention demolitions record. And I think this is almost like, you know, what we see with so many champions like CM Punk and, uh, Nikki Bella, how they become so obsessed by the the number of days that the champion just to get past their record that they start doing anything to win. 
and and that's gonna they're gonna use that as a way to turn them again just to i think maybe maybe just to, to freshen up that character a little bit that's a great call andy and um, i totally agree uh, the next night on raw they had a match against um cesaro and sheamus and um you know, they um cheated to win and uh you know they got a few boos as well and uh certainly there was that little tease there that you know they might go in exactly the direction that you described of becoming increasingly desperate to defeat that um you know, long-standing record of demolition and uh, if they build that up over the next several weeks leading up to that date then um you know they can certainly move in that direction and in a way that that wouldn't be such a bad thing because you know they've had a great run as uh, this kind of face act but you know, as we talked about last week um you know, he's becoming quite repetitive and at a certain yeah. point in time. Been, been there, seen it, done it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, where else can they really go? They've done all sorts of different promos and skits and segments, which uh been very entertaining. But, um, you know, being given this on a week-to-week basis, every week for, you know, coming up to two years, um, you know, it's time for a different direction now. So, uh, heel turn might well be in, in the horizon. And. Um- on to, on to the, uh, the the final uh, traditional Survivor Series match then, the men's one. I know you said you thought the, the tag match was the, was the best match of the night. I, I've got to say I thought this one was slightly better. I, I I thought this one, once it got really got going towards the end, I thought this this was a really good match once. Aside from some of the, the, the crazy stunts, which some people may pop over and think were great, I, I'm not such a big fan of them these days uh, i i was more in tune with you know probably the last sort of 10 minutes where i thought we saw some uh, some great great action in there oh we did yes absolutely um you know, the closing stretch of the match was superb really good and surprising as well because um, i didn't expect orton and wyatt to be um the final two from that side in the in the match um you know i thought aj uh, will certainly be there towards the end, possibly even Shane, even though he's, you know, a very limited worker in certain respects, and well, he's not a worker. That, that's the point. Um, so, so that that was quite interesting to see. Um, for me, though, it it was a very long match. It was what fifty minutes, fifty minutes plus. Yeah, yeah, something like fifty-two, fifty-three minutes. Yeah, and it just had you know two or three points in the match where it really dipped and had its dull points and um, it didn't quite have the flow um, to the tag elimination match where that built and built and built. Um, this match uh, for me had too many peaks and troughs and uh, didn't flow as nicely as the other one. So whilst this one I thought had a better finish to it, um, overall it didn't really flow in the way that the tag elimination match did. So uh, that's why I thought. That yeah. Other one was slightly better, but um, both both were very very good matches, no doubt. Yeah, on I mean on with with Shane. I've got to be honest. Look, I've got absolutely no desire to see Shane McMahon in the ring. I'm sorry, I've it it doesn't interest me. And uh, you know, I've got to say, look, what what value does he add to the to the roster? You know, it it doesn't it doesn't really add anything for me. You know, he might get a reaction from the crowd, from the casual crowd, and then I can understand maybe bring him out for a one-off match. You know, if you really like to WrestleMania, it it was for what they used him for, for the attention that it got. 
I can understand that making sense at the time. But for this, I just didn't see the sense in it, and I didn't see the value to it at all. It's I I, I mean I, I might be it might be the only one here, but I, I've got no desire at all to see him doing crazy crazy stupid stunts. What I consider really stupid things like that. I mean that that thing that coast to coast with a spear. It was obvious straight away that he you know he he got a concussion there. I mean they're they're the kind of things that people might you know think they're great you know oh isn't this fantastic personally I, i've got no desire to see that i, I don't you know i want to be entertained i want to see some great action i don't want to see guys put their well you know their, their livelihood and their lives and their their careers at risk like that yeah i mean he's a mentioned earlier a non-worker so um whereas somebody who's uh experienced pro like an aj Styles might be able to do that exact same spot and um not get hurt and land safely um shame of mine isn't and uh yeah he was clearly um you know in trouble after that spot and um had to be escorted out and um there, there really is no point in him coming out there for matches but i think that uh, in all likelihood we'll be seeing him again um several more times before he eventually calls it a day and i'd be very surprised if he doesn't work wrestlemania and um you know we've seen one or two teases about um uh, where he might end up um, in terms of future opponent for that show. And, uh, yeah, as you say, th- there's nothing really uh, of interest in seeing him going out there and having matches. And, um, you know, he certainly doesn't do anything for you, and he doesn't likewise do anything for me. And, um, you know, in, in my view, it just takes a spot away from somebody that's more deserving of of, of that position. But, uh, yeah, not... Yeah, that, yeah for me... Yeah, for me that uh, that that could have been an opportunity for somebody else on the roster right there. Uh, if the, if there was a lot of injuries like there was this past WrestleMania, obviously the things were a bit more depleted then. I, I can kind of understand it, you know, and and his name value and everything. Now bringing him back when they did after a long hiatus, it had an impact. Right now, we've seen him week in week out. It doesn't have the same impact. They've got a jam packed roster now. You know, they've got other people they can probably pull in. For me, it doesn't. It just doesn't serve any value for me at all. I have no desire to see that bumped up the card, probably taking a spot away from a guy who's, you know, who's worked sort of 10, 15 years to get to this point in his career for a guy who can do some stupid stunts for me. Um, but, I mean, that's me. I mean, we'll, we'll leave Shane there, but I've got to say as well, I love the little spot there with... Um, Kevin Owens, the list, I, I that little spot there, I just, just for me, that's them kind of little nuances. They're they're, they're just great. They're they're building, they're, they're teasing them to really beautifully. I think. Oh yeah, that's right, and it made for um, the uh, focal point of a very entertaining uh, segment between Owens and Jericho the next night on Raw. And uh, you know, the, the the list is one of these ideas that perhaps just came out of nothing and um, Jericho in a way is almost a genius, isn't he? That he's made that list um, a thing and he's made it into something that, you know, people care about Um, as innocuous as it is. Um, You know, it gets a pop, it gets over, it's over more than half the talent on the roster at the moment. That, that, that's, 
you know, really, really impressive and credit to Jericho for being able to get it over in the way he has. And, uh, you know, he, you know, he needs to be getting, um, you know, he needs to be coming out with list merchandise, like, um, replica lists. And replica <laughs> Can they put a title belt on the list? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, if Vince Russo was about, I'm sure he would. But <laughs> <laughs> what, what about the little mini shield reunion? Um, I thought that a good, I thought that got a good pop and that was, Perhaps an interesting tease for potentially a WrestleMania moment or something along them lines. Well, that's right. I mean, ever since the guys split up, um, everyone has always been expecting that at some point in the future, the three of them would, um, if not reunite, then at least um, do something like that. And, you know, we saw it and it was a great moment, um, a surprise, but a pleasant surprise nonetheless. And uh, it got over great, didn't it? And, uh, for about a minute, um, Roman Reigns was a, a popular talent once again. <laughs> for, the, for the 60 seconds of, of the uh, out of 53 minutes, yeah, he was popular because bah, he got some big booze that night <laughs> and the next night on Raw as well. But uh, he did. so, I mean, yeah, it was there was every like you say, you know, there were there were a lot of memorable moments. But I think we we, all, we both called that right in terms of that. Uh, Raw would 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 win overall, you know, two to one, but SmackDown would get that win. So, hey, there's parity booking for here, I guess. Absolutely, yeah, that's right. So, <laughs> uh, and that just leaves us with the main event. Um, I, I've actually I made some notes more. So here's my notes on Goldberg versus Brock Lesnar, and they were the video package was longer than the mo- the match, the entrances were longer than the match. So more my question is, did we really have a six week build up for a two minute squash match? Yes, we did. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, it was, there's a lot to say about this match and, um, you know, you can almost do a pod just on its own for this match. Um, that's, you know, the extent of, talking points that came out of it um but in a nutshell i i love the way it was done i thought it was something that nobody predicted nobody expected even if you had the odd person um predicting the surprise goldberg win nobody but nobody would have expected him to squash brock lesnar in the way that he did totally dominated him uh, for that sub two minute period and um beating clean and um it was just a shock i mean they panned to the crowd and you know they were just faces you know one after another with jaws literally hitting the floor almost like uh, the reaction to um, the streak ending at wrestlemania several years back it was very yeah. smartly done very cleverly done um but the big big negative for me was the fact that it really made the rest of the roster look so weak like a bunch of pussies, basically. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, because, that, I've, yeah. I've got to. Sorry, but it's just that. Yeah, I can understand them wanting to do something a bit different, and obviously, I mean, it's got everybody talking, you know, and, and us included here right now. But yeah, like you say, that's a negative. A guy that is fast approaching fifty, um, who has been retired for twelve years, can walk in and beat. This guy who's been completely unstoppable and he can beat him in less than two minutes. 
that that's how, yeah the the negative is is like well the rest of the roster can't be that good then well that's right yeah part-time who just turned up and um you know not only beats brock lesnar but destroys him and you know we've got various um talents over the last several years that have tried and failed uh to beat or even you know hurt brock lesnar and you know, the fact that um, this guy just turns up from um, a 12-year hiatus and does that to him um, in storyline format, it just tells people, well, don't care about these full-time guys on the roster that you can see week in, week out. It's these part-timers that are the serious business. They're the ones that you should um, treat seriously as the um, pinnacle of, of the uh, rosters on Raw and SmackDown. And that shouldn't be how it should work. Um, yeah. you know, these older guys should be there to put over the young talent because it's the younger talent that are going to be carrying the company forward, you know, 5, 10, 15 years down the line. It's not the Goldbergs, the Undertakers, and even the John Cena's because increasingly he's becoming a part-timer too now. Yeah, it's, it feels like the, the product keeps harking back to the 90s and even the, the you know, the early 2000s. I, I mean... Personally, I think maybe they could have done like a minute or so. You know, you could still make it a, a quick match, but even like a minute or so, Brock, you know, sort of taking it to him and looking cocky that he's like, see, look at this. You know, he shouldn't even be in the ring with me laughing. And then bang, spear, spear, finish. You know, it would, it would, I think it would still have that surprise element, but perhaps could have got across that message that Brock Lesnar was taking him too lightly. You know that Brock Lesnar was being too cocky, and that he got caught out. You, you know, I, I just wonder if that maybe, you know, from a storyline perspective, would would have been. I know it might not have been quite the same shock, but I, I don't know. Am I am I uh, am I barking up the wrong tree? No, no. Um, you know, it's um, it's one of these the situations where. Um, you know, there's various different directions that, you know, they could be going. Now, you know, the, the other thing to bear in mind is that there's a lot of talk now um, in the kind of uh, dirt sheet world, as Matt Topolsky calls it, of uh, WWE negotiating with one Conor McGregor. Now, as you know, Conor has at various points in the last several months disparage pro wrestling, disparage WWE, disparage various talent in the WWE. And I don't think that's been done coincidentally. And if that does lead to something and he comes in for a big match at WrestleMania, who better opponent than Brock Lesnar? Um, so we could end up in a very different direction for Brock um, rather than the obvious, because, you know, after this match, people talking about, well, we might end up with Brock and Goldberg having another match at the Rumble, but that clearly isn't going to be the case. And we know that because the next night on Raw, Goldberg announced that um, he'll be uh, competing in the Raw Rumble match. So, you know, certainly for the time being, they'll be going in slightly different directions. But at some point, you've got to imagine that Lesnar and Goldberg will come together once again. And at that point, you know, who, who knows what the landscape might be? Yeah, I, I suspect it could be something like uh, Brock Lesnar actually cost Goldberg win in the Royal Rumble, and then they'll have their rubber match at Mania. That I would suspect something along them lines, but um, it'll, it'll certainly be interesting. So overall, for the two shows, then um, you know, for for a weekend of action, 
Uh, thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle. Thumbs up. Absolutely. You know, very, very enjoyable survivors. Extremely enjoyable NXT takeover. Great weekend overall. Uh, just very quickly, um, our good friend uh, Dave Hendrick, um, the Arch Emperor of um, the Anfield Index channel. <laughs> uh, don't tell Gags I said that. Um, he, he asked a question, um, which was the last time Brock Lesnar lost clean. Um, and I, I think it was actually last year against The Undertaker at SummerSlam. So um, it wasn't quite as far back as you would have thought. I, I thought it was actually years and years ago. Um, but no, before I think that, that will be John Cena. That's right, yes. A couple of years um, before it, something like that. Yeah, it's, it is a very rare occasion, and it's, I yeah. suppose it gives it more impact. Uh, and, and then if you're going to get a younger guy over, for the younger guy to then beat Brock Lesnar, for, which is, you know, the, for me, is that should be the desire of the company, that, that can be the making of that guy as well, can it? Oh, absolutely can, yes. And um, you know, there's plenty of exciting talent that are ready to get that rub and um, get that career-defining win over a Brock, over an Undertaker. And, uh, you know, it's about time that we start seeing those kind of situations because you know, in the past, we didn't used to see, say, for example, you go back to the WWF era of the late 80s, you didn't used to have Pedro Morales coming out there um, defeating Macho Man Randy Savage in a match at WrestleMania. That Those types of things just simply didn't happen. Um, but in this era... Um, we too often get to see the old guys triumphing over the uh, the younger generation, and that shouldn't be how it works. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're almost out of time, but before we go, more, uh, I know you you were catching up on uh, some Ring of Honor action uh, nearby. Uh, any thoughts on that one? Uh, any recommendations for for the listeners? That's right. I attended a Ring of Honor show here in Leicester um, last weekend. Um, they were on a three-show tour of the UK, first stop Liverpool, then Leicester, and finally London, so the three L's. And um, great shows all three nights, and um, really, really good show in Leicester. A uh, couple of fantastic matches, um, a guy called Donovan Dijak, who's a, a tall, about six foot six uh, or so guy, um, against Lyle Rush, who's uh, a fantastic fit for WWE's Cruiserweight division, and I'm sure at some point in the next couple of years, he will end up in that division. And they had about as good a big man versus little man match as you'll ever see. It was surprisingly great. Uh, so enjoyed it. And so did the live crowd, live crowd even. And then the main event was um, the Young Bucks, who are arguably the hottest independent tag team around against um, Britain's own Marty Skull and Will Ospreay, who I've been raving about on this pod throughout the year. And they had one of the best tag team matches of 2016. Um, so, so great. Almost as good as the uh, match um, on NXT. And um, you know, they, they were you know, so magical together um, and put on a fantastic match here in Leicester. So um, that will be available on Ring of Honor On Demand. Um, so if you check out rohwrestling.com, you should be able to see that match very soon. So there you go, guys. Uh... You know what to do next. Go, go check out ROH as well as uh, NXT and WWE. Yeah, so much great stuff out there. Uh, and more, anything you'd like to plug before we head off into the sunset and where can people catch you on Twitter? 
Yes, just a very quick one. So, um, just announced this week, um, I'm going to be co-hosting a new pod on the AI channel with um, Dave Hendrick. It's called MMA Monthly, where each month we'll um, recap the big UFC show of the month, as well as preview the upcoming um, major show and also talk about some of the other shows like the Fight Nights and likes of those, and even uh, some of the stuff from bellator and other mma promotions as well so i'm really looking forward to it i know david as well so that will be debuting in the month of december and um we'll have a lot of fun with that i'm sure yeah that's that sounds like a good show and something i'll be interested in listening to uh, and and where where can people catch you on twitter again more uh, sorry my t- uh, twitter handle is at mo chatra so uh my views on wrestling mma and obviously liverpool football club uh, you can check me out on there how about you, Andy? Um, what are you up to at the moment? Uh, well, I, I promised I will get this uh, article done on Chris Jericho. I've got started and I will get it completed. Uh, so, folks, you will be able to see that on the Anfield Index uh, website. And and if you keep checking at uh, PW underscore index on Twitter, uh, when, once it does come out, it will certainly be all over that. Um, I'm on Twitter at Andy Armchair. Uh, if you do want to give me a follow and more, we'll be back next week, will we not? Absolutely, we will. Yes, I'm sure there'll be plenty more to talk about. So uh, looking forward to it, my friend. Absolutely. I'm sure there'll be plenty to talk about because it's a it's a world of pro wrestling. There's always something going on. But until next week, that's it from us. Uh, take care. <laughs>
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.